It was the summer of 2010 when I saw Jack one afternoon for his weekly therapy session. We had been meeting for many months and I had got to know him quite well. We had been discussing the design of our brains and he told me his brilliant insight into a design aspect with a story from his childhood. When he was about eight years old, he was exceedingly fond of ice cream. He would eat as much of it as he could get his hands on. Sometimes he would miss meals because he ate too much ice cream. His parents would tell him to eat less ice cream and eat his meals. Ice cream was expensive at that time and his parents didn't have a lot of money. They also told him eating ice cream is not good for your teeth. Jack recalls deciding one day, after being told that he could not have any more ice cream, that when he grew up and had his own money, he would eat ice cream for breakfast, lunch and dinner. I am Dr. Rajiv Parinja and this is Brain Politics. I am a psychiatrist and Jack is a fictional therapy patient of mine. His stories are made up to demonstrate certain concepts which have implications for our mental health and well-being. No information about a real patient is going to be revealed in these stories. My goal with this podcast is to inform and entertain. I want to encourage the listeners to think about their thinking. I want you to wonder how your thoughts and feelings arise and why. I want you to be fascinated and intrigued by the human brain. This series is not designed to help diagnose or treat mental illness. If you suspect that you or a loved one has a mental illness, you should seek the help of a licensed professional. This could be your primary care physician or a mental health professional. So I asked Jack if he had ever followed through on his promise to himself to have ice cream for breakfast, lunch and dinner. He laughed. He told me he had never really had ice cream for breakfast, lunch and dinner in the same day, though he still really liked ice cream and ate quite a lot of it. He did recognize that eating ice cream all the time was not great for his health and he tried to limit how much he ate. I think I understand the part of our design that makes me really like ice cream, he said. Our ancestors liked things with a lot of cream and sugar because they have high calories, which allowed them to survive through periods when they didn't have enough food. That's right, I told him. Our cave-dwelling ancestors rarely had enough food to cause the problems of obesity and diabetes, which are very common now. But I can see three more design implications of your story. You are the Doc Doc, he laughed, quoting from one of the Back to the Future movies. Let's see what you got. First, I said, your reaction to being told not to eat ice cream really caught my attention. There's a term for it, which I will come to in a moment, but if we apply the same logic that our ancestors must have benefited from it. 
I imagine that our ancestors often encountered other people trying to take control over their actions and their lives, taking away their autonomy. If you imagine an ordinary person living in medieval England when the world was predominantly a feudal place, they probably had someone trying to say to them, I am your lord and you are a mere peasant. Bow to me, you fool, and do as you are told. These lord-like people would take away your autonomy and the fruit of your hard work. It makes sense to try and resist them as much as possible. This tendency has stayed with us. If somebody tells us something strongly, especially from a position of authority, we tend to resist it. And the term for it is reactance. Reactance is so powerful that some experts say that you should not even tell yourself something strongly because you might get reactance and not want to follow through. So instead of saying to yourself, I've got to do it, you might get better results by saying, I would like to do it or I prefer to do it. I think the reason you never ate ice cream for breakfast, lunch and dinner is because you just didn't feel the same reactance several years later. Your anger at all your autonomy being taken away was no longer so strong. The second design component, which though not unique to human beings, is probably better developed in us than any other species, is our ability to regulate ourselves and stop ourselves from doing what we feel like doing, or sometimes doing things that we don't feel like doing. You want to eat ice cream, but you don't eat as much as you feel like because you know it is not good for you. This ability to regulate ourselves isn't perfect and it does vary from time to time. It varies from person to person, and it makes us slip up every now and then. The third component is the most fascinating. Not only is it unique to human beings, it is the basis for every kind of psychotherapy. It is our ability to reflect on what we are thinking, what we are feeling, and what we are doing. We can wonder about the design of our brains and over the last 150 years we have been able to investigate it scientifically. If you take a moment to think about it, our brains are the only things, the only things in the entire known universe that can reflect on their own design. And it was only in the 1700s that it was widely accepted that the brain was the organ involved in thinking even though ancient Egyptians had known about it some 4,000 years ago. Jack was born in 1970. He grew up poor in the Midwest. His father worked minimum wage jobs. He was a bright kid who went to college to study math and philosophy. He has lived an interesting life where he has achieved success that he would not have imagined possible when he was a child. He has been a math teacher, an investment banker, and then a math teacher again. He has battled addiction, health problems, relationship difficulties, and career setbacks. He's a movie buff, and he often brings stories from classic movies into our sessions. He has also had some interesting dreams where he had conversations with characters from some of those movies. 
These dreams have sometimes led him to deep insights and different perspectives. I have continued to meet Jack on and off over the years. He's in what he calls his strange place now. It is strange for him because he's happier and more peaceful than he has ever been, despite being in worse health than he has ever been. His constant strife to learn and understand himself from a philosophical, psychological and neuroscience standpoint has given him the tools he needs to come to a state of understanding and a state of acceptance of his multiple problems. It allows him to have a different perspective, a perspective of gratitude for the many things that worked well in his life. These days, he pursues spiritual growth, which he believes is at the core of our very being. Jack has pushed me to learn more by asking me many difficult questions. Our discussion of many stories from his life has given me new perspectives. I chose the name Brain Politics for this podcast because the brain does work a little like politics does, with multiple players with varying powers pushing their agendas, sometimes in conflict with each other and at other times collaborating with each other. Sometimes they connive with each other to overwhelm other parts of the brain. This podcast is about understanding the design of our brains from an evolutionary standpoint. I'm going to take you on a tour of the brain as if it was an ancient kingdom, a realm. In the brain, we will meet many different characters, each of them ancient, but some way more ancient than others. And one of them was there before the realm even began and we still don't fully understand what he does and where he lives. We will understand the roles of these characters in making us think, feel, and act in the ways that we do. We will look at how they go into conflict with each other, competing with each other, and we will hear many stories from Jack's life to learn how they can cause problems. We will also look at what we can do to prevent some of these problems. We will revisit the idea from the ice cream story about how our design is not always a very good fit for the modern environment in which we live. It is only when we identify this discrepancy, this problem, that we are able to do something about it. In our next episode, we meet the treasurer of the brain. This is the brain's reward system, which makes us pay attention to, like, and want the things that we want. It also makes us learn to get the things we want. This is the system that makes us vulnerable to addiction. If you have questions or comments, please go to wgte.org slash brainpolitics. I am Dr. Rajiv Parinja. I am your host and producer. Our executive producer is Chris Pfeiffer. This is Brain Politics. I hope you will join me for the next episode. WGTE. 
voices around us. WGTE is supported in part by American Rescue Plan Act funds allocated by the City of Toledo and the Lucas County Commissioners and administered by the Arts Commission.